The last several weeks, we've been studying in the book of Acts and looking at the New Testament church, that first century New Testament church. Last Sunday, we looked at the message that was preached by Peter here in the book of Acts in uh, uh, the day of Pentecost, uh, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He, he preached this, this message that the people had never heard before. They were used to religion and, and uh, religious culture, but he stood and he preached this message about Jesus Christ being the way, the truth, and life. He preached that there was no other way to heaven except through the cross and the resurrection. And so he preached the gospel, and this changed everything. You see, the religious requirements, Jesus fulfilled the law. He, Jesus, he said that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and that there was no other way. And so religion can't get them to heaven, and, and, and the church can't get a person to heaven. Only the cross of Jesus Christ. And this changed everything there. Something was happening And we find in Acts chapter 2, look with me if you would please, in verse number 4, the Bible says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God came down upon the apostles. The apostles began to preach and speak. And those that were there from all nations all over the world heard the gospel preached in their own tongue. Something wonderful is happening because the Holy Spirit of God was introduced. The Spirit of God is teaching and the Spirit of God is convicting. And I want you to turn with me, if you would, to verse number 37 of Acts chapter number two, verse number 37. We see this, now when they had heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? They They heard the gospel preached and they said, so what do we do now? What a wonderful, wonderful way to respond to the preaching of God's word. Would it be that this is the way all of us would respond? When the word of God is preached, our response ought to be, so what do I do with what I just heard? And the Bible goes on to say this, for this promise is unto you and unto your children and all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. So so those that trusted Christ as their savior believed in the gospel, they were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. What a wonderful day that was. The gospel of Jesus Christ is preached. Those that heard it responded, trusted Christ, were baptized and added to the church. 3,000 souls in that one day. What a wonderful, miraculous day that was. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, And in breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily as such as should be saved. I want to preach. We're going to go through this book. And I I honestly don't know how long it's going to take us. I'm a couple, couple weeks, trying to be a couple weeks ahead of where 
where I'm uh, preaching on a particular Sunday. In the beginning of this book, we find a lot of things. We, we find the ascension of Jesus Christ, and we looked at that. We find the gospel being preached the day of Pentecost, and we saw that last week. And today, today I want to preach a message to you on this topic of what makes a healthy church. What makes a healthy church? And I'm so glad that the Bible shows us here in Acts chapter 2 what makes a church healthy. And I am sure like you, you want to be a healthy and be a part of a healthy church. We should strive to be healthy. We should strive to find the ingredients in the early church. And what, what happened here that God blessed? I want the same for our church and for us as individuals here as well. In verse number 38 of this book, we find this, and Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Twice in this chapter, we find the Holy Ghost. Once we find the Holy Ghost is mentioned when Peter and the apostles stand to preach. The Holy Ghost comes upon them and they begin to preach with great power. And the Holy Ghost is upon them at that point. And then Peter, after he responds to their question of what shall we do, he tells them that they ought to repent and receive Christ, be baptized, and they're added into the church. And he says, if you would do this, if you repent and trust Christ, believe in the gospel, the Holy Ghost will come upon you as well. And so we find this, that not only was the Holy Ghost available to the apostles, the Holy Ghost is now available to anyone that would receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. And so I want you to write this down. If you take notes here this morning, I'm going to give you three things that make a church healthy or make for a healthy church. And the first thing that we find here in this passage of Scripture would be this, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. You see, we're not just people that are gathered that have an idea. We're not just a group of people that have something in common. We come and we just uh, talk about the, the things that we have in common here at church. No, we come here in the power of the Holy Spirit of God, asking the Holy Spirit of God to do a work, to speak to us, to convict us, to give us power, to lead us, to comfort us. And Jesus taught of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, Jesus promised the church that the Holy Spirit would come. You see, they didn't need the Holy Spirit while they had Jesus. They walked with him and they talked with him. They saw him do miracles. They saw Jesus work. But Jesus knew that there was going to be a come a time that he was not going to be there any longer. He was going to be crucified. He was going to be placed into that tomb. He was going to rise again from the dead. And there was going to be a time that he would ascend into heaven and sit on the right hand of the Father. But he knew that the people that trusted in him, the believers of Christ, needed someone to lead them and guide them. And he said this to them, I'm going to send you a comforter. In John 14, 16, the Bible says that Jesus said, I will pray the Father. And he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Now, this is an interesting verse here. Not only is he saying that that comforter is going to come, he also is saying this, that comforter is going to come and he's going to abide with you forever. He's going to stay with you. You see, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God could come upon a person like Saul, King Saul, but the Spirit of God could also leave that person as well. And we saw that happen throughout the Old Testament. But Peter is saying to the followers of Christ now, or, or Jesus is saying to those that are going to follow Christ here after Pentecost, that, that the Holy Spirit is going to come 
come upon them, this comforter, and he is going to abide with them forever. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. He's going to comfort us. And that means this, no matter what situation in life that you may be going through, no matter what in life you've done, the Holy Spirit of God is continually dwelling inside of us, there to comfort us, to get us through every trial, to get us through every decision, to lead us in every area of life. We as Christians, believers in Christ, are promised the Holy Spirit of God. And that same Holy Spirit came upon those church, this church here at the day of Pentecost. In John 14, 26, Jesus also says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Again, Jesus says this comforter, it is the Holy Ghost. And he's going to come and he's going to teach you. You see, Jesus said, I'm with you now, but there's going to come a time where I'm not going to be with you, but don't worry. I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. The comforter is going to come. He's going to continue to teach you. He's going to continue to show you the way. You're not going to be left alone. Aren't you so glad as a Christian that you're not left to try to figure the Christian life out on your own? You're not left to try to figure this life out, that the Holy Spirit of God is there to lead you and direct you and give you the wisdom that we need. Jesus goes on to say in John 15, 26, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. The spirit of truth. You see, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised is going to lead us in truth. You see, we live in a society today, they call it a post-Christian society, where everyone decides on their own how to live. Matter of fact, the same thing happened in the book of Judges. In, in the Bible says, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. It was dependent upon them to decide how they should live. It was dependent upon them to decide circumstances, right or wrong. But the Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. And God has truth, and his word is truth. And the Holy Spirit of God will always lead us and direct us in truth. It's wonderful to know when we follow the Holy Spirit of God, we'll never make the wrong move. When we let the Spirit of God lead us, we're never going to make the wrong choice. He always leads us in truth. And John 16, 7, the Bible says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So Jesus several times spoke of this comforter. He spoke of the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to the church. In John 14, 16, he will abide with you forever. In Acts chapter 2, the church is forming. The church, the early church, the first century church is coming together. Some 3,000 souls are added to that church. And those 3,000 souls who were added to that church, the Holy Spirit of God was dwelling inside of them, leading them and directing them. You see, a healthy church is a church where the presence of the Holy Spirit dwells. You see, here in our midst, the Holy Spirit should be working. Here right now, today, the Holy Spirit, if you're a child of God, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you, and he should be working. He should be convicting. He should be giving you wisdom. He should be giving you truth. 
You don't have to go through the Christian life alone. You don't have to wait till we get to heaven to, to, to uh, 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 have peace and have joy and have comfort. You can experience those things right now here by allowing the Holy Spirit of God to lead you and guide you and direct you. You see, the healthy church, the Spirit of God is present. You see, church, we're not alone. This work is great. The culture around us is, is now a post-Christian culture. The enemy is raging. The battle is so strong. And at times, so many of our uh, uh, battles, the night seems so dark and the days seem so long. But Jesus said this, I'll never be alone. You'll never be powerless. You're never gonna be outpowered. The day has come, church, that although our Lord is not here physically on this earth to lead us, he gave us the the Spirit of God to lead us. This church is led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God should be working right now in its midst when you're singing, when you're giving, when the, when the preaching of God's Word is being done. The Holy Spirit of God ought to be doing something inside of us. Is He working? You see, a healthy church, when we say church, we don't mean this building, we mean you, individuals, members those that are Christians, those that have claimed the, 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 the name of Christ, those that have trusted Christ as their Savior, is the Holy Spirit working in you? Is he evident? You see, he's going to teach us. He's going to guide us. You see, we don't have to rely on our own human reasoning to figure life out. He's there to comfort us and to guide us. He's there to lead us. He's there to point us all to the, that what Jesus taught, the commands of this book, the doctrines of this book. See, a healthy church has the presence of the Holy Spirit. I find this as well in verse number 41, if you'll follow along with me, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. In verse number 47, we find as well, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Boy, this was a growing church. You see, a healthy church has the presence of the Holy Spirit there, and a, a healthy church is a growing church as well. You see, they were growing physically. I want you to see with me, if you would, in the same chapter in verse number one, the Bible says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. You see, the reason why they were growing physically is because their focus was right. Jesus said to his disciples, I want you to, I'm going to go. I'm going to ascend. I'm going back to my father. The Holy Spirit of God is going to come upon you. I want you to go and I want you to wait for him and, and, and wait for his presence. And they did. They, they came and their focus was right. Oh, church, our focus ought to be on Christ. Our focus ought to be on his word. Our focus ought to be on the doctrine of this book. Our focus ought to be on spiritual things. You see, when a church comes and their focus is on what it's supposed to be. The natural thing is growth. The focus was right. In verse number six, the Bible says this, now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because they, that every man heard them speak in his own language. You see this, the multitudes came together. This church was a growing church. The multitudes came together, and the reason why they came, the Bible tells us in verse number six, because miraculous things were being done in the church. Listen to me, God still works miracles. God still saves. 
God's still saving the lost. There are still people. Listen, every single time a person trusts Christ as their Savior, that is a miraculous thing. Something supernatural takes place. That person was dead and trespasses in sin, the Bible says. And the moment they trusted Christ as their Savior, they are a new creature. They're alive. They've been redeemed and reconciled back to God. What a miraculous thing that is. And sometimes we pray and we don't get what we want answered, but so often we miss the things that God is doing in our midst. He's a miracle-working God. Every single time a lost person gets saved, it's a miracle from heaven. And praise God for that. But you see, what gathered the people here is they came because something was different, because God was moving. You see, when the people focus on the right thing, miraculous things happen because the focus is on Christ. I want you to see in verse number seven as well, the Bible says, and they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all of these which speak Galileans? Not only was their focus right, not only was miraculous things being done, common people were being used by God. They said, weren't these just Galileans? You see, the Galileans weren't the most intellectual. The, these weren't the, the, the Bible scholars, these weren't the religious elite. These were fishermen and carpenters and, 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 and men that worked with their hands. These, these, were, these were your everyday common people. And when the church grows, when common people let God work. Listen, we, we are just common people. Uh, the thing I love about this church, there, 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 there's, there's uh, not centered upon one man or not centered upon a group of people, but it's just a group of common people that say, I want to let God use me. I want God to use my talent. I want God to use my gift. I want God to use whatever I have. And when a group of people, just common, ordinary, everyday people let God work, guess what? Come, people come around because something is happening. And when common people let God work, God gets the glory. What's being done was of God. What they see being done here at this church, it was not because of their intellect. It was not because of their wealth. It was not because of man's power. It was not because of man's resources. These group of apostles, they had nothing. They, were, they weren't intellectual. They didn't have great wealth. They didn't have great power. They didn't have uh, great resources. They just simply relied on the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God began to work. And hear me, when the Spirit of God begins to work in a church, it attracts people because people are searching. Yesterday or Friday, my wife wanted to go out to dinner and, and uh, we had been gone a few days. And so she said, let's just go take the kids out. And we went out and it was Friday. And I knew if we go out on Friday that everything was gonna be busy. And, and I just don't have the time to sit and wait. And so I knew we'd get there. I said to her, listen, let's go in. And it was gonna be about a 20 or so minute wait. I said, why don't you wait here? I'm gonna go get my haircut. So I got back in the car and drove down and I got my haircut and I sat and sat in the chair and, and the lady's talking and I told her what I wanted. And she went, and I mean, it was like a, I, I looked, I said, where did that come from? What number are you using? I mean, you see what happened. I, I, 
I mean, it just, she just went all the way down. Brother Parks told me about this uh, barber and went all the way down to my scalp. And I mean, once she did the first strip, I said, it's too late. And um, she said, oh, you didn't want it that short? And I said, well, doesn't really matter now. Keep going, lady, you know? And we were talking and she asked me what I did. And I told her I was a pastor of a church. And um, she says, you're not going to say a prayer against me for this, are you? And I said, no, I, I, I'm going to be nice to you. She said this. She said, um, do people tell you the worst things they've ever done? I said, unfortunately, at times, yes. And she said, I've done some pretty horrible things. She said, she said nothing, nothing that would get me put in jail I said, well, this haircut might, you know, but she said nothing that would get me put in jail, but moral things. I've not been the best person. And I said to her this, I said, you understand this, that no matter what you've done, Jesus died for every one of those sins and he'll forgive you. And, and the lady next to her, the booth next to her, were cutting hair and um, she was amen in me. As I'm, as I'm like telling this lady the gospel, she's like, amen, that's true. And um, uh, it, it was all, like a little church service going on right there on a Friday night, right in, right in uh, I'm not going to tell you where I get a haircut, but right there, as she's making me bald, I'm giving her the gospel. I'm getting amen by her coworker. And she says, so you mean Jesus will save me no matter what sin I've ever committed? And I said, he will. He will. He came, he died for every single sin you've ever committed. You know, the most interesting thing is she said, I've asked questions, I've gone to church, I've given up on things. And she said, you mean that no matter what I've done, Jesus is gonna forgive me. I said, he promised to. You see, people still wanna hear the truth. You see, church, people are still searching. And, and what God is looking for is just a common person that will tell of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And, and, and we can convince ourselves that the, the, with culture today that people don't want to hear, we can convince ourselves that people don't want to know the truth. But the reality is there's a world out there of people that want to know the truth, that are seeking the truth. They just need someone to tell them what the truth is. They've got people telling them that if they just become a new person or, or, or turn over a new leaf, that that's all they need. And they try that, but the, there's nothing there of substance. And they end up going back and being what they used to be. People tell them to try church. And so they try church, but, but there's no substance. Church can't change you. And so they go back and being what they used to be. They, they try all kinds of things. They read books and they go to seminars and they go to classes. And they're trying to be something that only Jesus Christ can make them. They need someone that knows the truth. They need a common person, an ordinary person, not somebody with great intellect, not somebody with great wealth, not somebody with man's power, not somebody with great resource. They just need you and me to tell them the truth of the gospel and let God do the rest. Oh, they're there. You know, the reality is even in this area right here, every time I tell someone about Jesus, nine times out of 10, they listen. It's, it's, it's very few, even in public places, that someone says, I don't want to hear. 
I, I, I mean, here, right here, getting a haircut with people all around and, and, and coworkers listening and amen in me as I'm telling her the gospel. She still is ready and wants to hear it. I've told people the gospel. A waitress in a busy, busy restaurant comes back to the table and says, I need to hear more of that. Uh, a Bowling Green student came here to come to school, and I caught her at a restaurant and began to tell her the gospel, and she said, I've never heard that before. Listen, I believe this, that God puts us in divine places for a divine reason and divine appointment because he just needs someone that would just tell someone else about Jesus Christ. Will you tell someone about Jesus? You see, just common people being used of God, that's a healthy church. It's not about what we want. It's about what God wants. It's not about my my name or it's about the name of Jesus Christ. It's not about my wants and my needs. It's about Jesus Christ. You see, a church is attractive when you can't explain it any other way than God, than God. Yes, churches all around the country that seemingly are doing great things for the God, and you say, what's the secret? You know what they simply say? God. It's not, well, we've got multimillionaires in our church that just give continually amounts of money. Listen to me, we, we, we don't need multimillionaires in our church to, to, to cause us to be what God wants us to be. Now, if you are a multimillionaire, we welcome you here, but you don't, we don't have to depend upon man's resources. We want just common people that give what God says to give, obediently to God, and then God gets the glory and he does the work. We don't need great people, the smartest people in the world. Well, if we just had smarter teachers or or uh, teachers that are just better at what they're doing, teaching Sunday school, then, then no, we just need common people that love God, that are willing to show people the love of Christ, to teach people God's word. We just need common people to let God use us. You see, they not only grow spiritually, I find this, they also grew spirit, uh, physically, they grew spiritually as well. You see, in verse number 42, we find... In verse number 41 and verse number 47, they added to the church physically. We also find this, that they grew spiritually as well. Look with me in verse number 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And in breaking of bread and in prayers, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. The word was the glue that held them together. In church today, it's the same thing. The word of God, the doctrine of this book is the glue that holds any church together. Well, I'm not against programs and I'm not against things of that sort, but it's not programs and events that hold a church together. It's the word of God. It's the truth of this word. You see, the people were committed to growing spiritually. The Bible says this, they continued. You know what that means? They just wouldn't stop. How hungry are you for the word of God? Are you hungry? Are you growing? Are you maturing as a believer? This year, this, this summer, it will, uh, it will be 37 years that I've been saved. Well, at what point do I stop growing? What point have I arrived? What point do I not need to grow spiritually more? I, I know all that I need to know. You know what I find? Never. We as Christians should always be growing. 
We should always continue. You see, a healthy church is a church where the people are spiritually growing. They're hungry for the word of God. They're continuing. They won't stop. They say, give me more. I don't want less preaching. I want more preaching. I don't want less of God's power. I want more of God's power. I don't want, I don't want to ever settle. I don't want to ever arrive. I want to dig deeper. I want to know more. I want to know the word of God greater this year than I've ever known it any other year before. The Bible says they continued and they were steadfastly, not wavering, keeping it the main thing. Listen to me, church. A church is a healthy church when the word of God is the main thing. Oh, hear me. There, there are churches, there are churches where, where the main thing is anything other than the word of God. There, there are churches where, where, where the, the word of God isn't even preached. Someone told me this, they went on vacation and, and went to a, a church on vacation and, and the pastor pulled out a newspaper and his sermon to the, from that day was, was an article out of the newspaper. He was going to give his opinion on what that matter was. Oh, listen to me, if I ever pull the newspaper out and say, this is what we're going to read from the day, then you ought to get up and walk out. If I, if I open anything other than this book and say we're going to learn from it today, you ought to get up and walk out. This book is the glue that holds this church together. This book is what we believe. This book is what we are steadfast in, not wavering, keeping the main thing the main thing. If the word of God speaks about something, then we're going to speak about something. If the word of God is silent on something, then we're not going to preach it from the pulpit. We're going to keep the main thing the main thing. This book is the glue that holds this church together. The apostles... The Bible says the apostles, they continued in the apostles' doctrine. The apostles' doctrine came straight from the Lord Jesus Christ. For three and a half years or so, he was teaching the apostles. Now the apostles have an opportunity to give what Jesus taught them. And remember, remember what Jesus said in John 14, 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, when the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. That's what he promised would happen. What were the apostles teaching? Exactly what Jesus taught them and the Holy Spirit of God that was inside of them was recalling their remembrance what Jesus said. The apostles were teaching exactly what Jesus taught them. Remember at this time, they didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have the Gospels to go back to or Paul's epistles to go back to. They, they didn't have the, 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 the New Testament that we have today that we open and preach from. So where do they get truth from? The Holy Spirit of God reminded the apostles the thing that Jesus taught them, and they began to speak, and the people began to grow. And what happened? The fear of the Lord came upon them. The Bible says in verse number 43, the fear came upon every soul. I would say to you this morning, the fear of the Lord is a healthy thing. The Bible says in Psalm 111.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If a man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1.7 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 9.10 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All through the Bible, you'll find the talk of the fear of the Lord. Listen, that fear of the Lord is what gives us wisdom. It's understanding who God is, understanding his word. Isaiah 33.6 says this, in wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of the times. Listen, we need stability today. 
We need stability in our homes. We need stability in our church. We need stability in culture, in society. Our world is falling apart. What brings stability back? It's the word of the Lord. It's the fear of God. And the Bible says this in, in Isaiah 33, 6, in strength of thy salvation, the fear of the Lord is his treasure. What we need more than anything else in society today is a, is a proper fear of God. So many people are deciding what they want to do. We find it in the book of Judges as well, that every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You know what I believe? They sincerely thought they were right. And there are people today that are sincerely thinking their, their decision is right. They're not trying to rebel. They're not trying to make a bad decision. They sincerely believe their decision is right. But if it's opposed to God's word, it's wrong every day. Only God's word is truth. What does fear do? Fear gives us an understanding of God's word. See, every single one of us today, we need a, a better understanding of God's word. Who it says God is and who Christ is. A proper fear of God is a reliance on God and his word. A proper fear of God gives us a, a submission to God and his word. And we need that today. Listen, it doesn't matter how long you've been saved. It doesn't matter how old that you are or how young that you are. We all need a proper fear of God in our life. You see, it isn't that I'm afraid to get caught is why I'm faithful to my wife. It's a fear of God. It's not that I, I'm afraid to get caught that I, that I, I, I don't go in and, and just take out of any store what I want without paying for it. It's a fear of God. It's not, it's not that I, I, I want to just fake it as a, as a Christian and, and make everyone pretend. No, it's a fear of God is why I get into the word of God. It's a fear of God why I pray. It's a fear of God why I walk with him. It's a fear of God why I'm faithful to my wife. It's a fear of God why I'm a faithful uh, husband and, and father. It's a fear of God why I'm a faithful pastor. I believe that there's a God in heaven, and I fear that God in heaven, and we all ought to fear him. You see, when this happens, the Spirit of God is free to work in the church. You see, a healthy church is a place where the presence of the Holy Spirit is. A healthy church is a place that's growing both physically and spiritually. And lastly, I want you to see this in verse number 44. And all, and all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all men. And the Lord added to the church daily as such should be saved. You know what I find? Not only was the presence of the Spirit of God there, not only were they growing both spiritually and physically, they were a content people. They were content. You see, there were coming together all things in common. If someone had something that somebody else needed, you know what they said? They sold it so that nobody had a need. They were content with God's blessings. You know, so often, if we're not careful as human beings, we can live for the wrong world. 
We can live for this world instead of for heaven. And, and hear me, I'm not saying that if you have a house or cars or something, anything wrong with that. What I'm saying is if that becomes our priority, if that becomes what we're living for, if that's what consumes us, instead of just being content, our focus is wrong. A pastor friend of mine sent me an article this week. There was a church that they determined they weren't going to advertise for Easter at all. They, they weren't going to put promotions out. They weren't going to put um, radio ads out. Not Nothing. No banners, no nothing. They were going to take every penny that they would normally put in advertisement for Easter, and they were going to find people in their community that had doctor bills and hospital bills and medical bills. And they were going to take that money instead of advertising and they were going to meet a need in somebody's life. And they announced it to the church. Now, we're not going to have cards. We're, we're, we're not going to put radio. You're not, going to, you're not going to see anything out there. What we're going to do is the money we're going to give, we're going to give to help people. Well, the church found out that they were doing that, obviously, and people said, well, I want to give toward that. And by the time it was all said and done, they said by Easter Sunday, they had 225000 or so dollars that they collected and had from their own budget. They were advertised from Easter and they gave $225,000 to pay medical bills of people in the community that had great needs. Now, could you imagine that? I, I think of like a George and Suzanne Sears who, you know, ICU in the hospital one night's $15,000, $20,000. I, I don't know if they would want me to tell you this, but there was one surgery that she had the, up in the hospital. The insurance company said, well, they said that you could eat. And so as soon as you can eat, you can go home. But she stayed two days past that by the doctor's orders. And so they got the entire bill for those two days. The insurance company denied it. So this church took $225,000 and just simply paid people's medical bills. Now, if you've ever had a medical bill, you can know the stress that puts on, on your life. There's people's credits have been affected. There's people that have had to go into bankruptcy. I mean, there's people that have been hurt financially because of medical bills. And this church said, we're going to do something. The interesting thing is I read on this article, they didn't advertise one bit for their Easter Sunday service. That's how they did it. And they had more that Easter Sunday than they ever had in the church history before. You see, when God's people are just simply content and then use their resources so that God gets glory, it's a sign of a healthy church. You see, they sold all. It parted to them all men as every man had a need. They continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They didn't complain. Oh, so often I find myself complaining about what I don't have instead of being glad and thankful for what I do have. I, I, I get myself complaining on what my kids aren't instead of just thanking God for what they are. 
I, I look at my marriage and complain about what I don't have instead of thanking God for what I do have. How, how many of you ever looked at your bank account and wish you had more? Instead of saying, God, thank you for the $1.50 I have. You see, the disciples here, the disciples of Christ said this, we are just going to be content with what we have. We're not going to let, we're not going to let the, the things of this world consume us. We're not going to let the, the things of this world drive us. We're not living for this world anymore. We're gloriously saved. We're a new creature. Yesterday I was dead in trespasses and sin, and no religion didn't save me. No church saved me. No, no man saved me. Jesus Christ saved me, and I'm a new creature now. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. I think differently now. I act differently now. My desires are differently now. I'm content now. I'm not living for this world anymore. I'm living for heaven. You see, a healthy church is a place where the Holy Spirit of God is working. A healthy church is a place that's growing spiritually and physically. And a healthy church is a content people. Content. My question to you is this. If the church is not a building, it's us as individuals. How healthy are you? Are you healthy? If this was a doctor's visit today and we were going to do a checkup, are you allowing the Holy Spirit to work? When he speaks, do you listen? Are you growing spiritually? Are you bringing people to church? Are you sharing the gospel with all those that you come in contact with? Let me close with this. I had someone recently say to me this, would you pray for my family member? And this is what they asked me to pray. Would you pray that somebody would give them the gospel? They were sick and not, not a good diagnosis. And they asked this. I, they said, I've prayed and I've, I've um, shared the gospel and they've not listened to me. Would you pray that God would send someone in their path and give them the gospel? I've thought about that since that person's have asked. And I've asked God several times, would you let me be an answer to prayer that somebody's praying? Would they please send someone to my family member? That lady that butchered my hair up yes, uh, Friday. She might have a family member that's praying. Would you send someone to her, her to give her the gospel? We laughed about the shortness of my hair. But I didn't make it about my hair. I made it about the gospel. That waitress this afternoon, that neighbor, that gas station attendant, that person that's just walking their dog past your house, that person you meet in the grocery store, that person, that line that's long, and you don't understand why don't they open another line so that I can get through. Well, maybe because somebody's praying that that person in front of you, somebody comes by and gives them the gospel, and God puts you in a line that doesn't go anywhere. Not to frustrate you. You say, he's teaching me patience. No, he might just want you to be a soul winner today. So he slows life down. So you tell somebody about Jesus. You might be an answer to someone's prayer. You see, a healthy church is content. A healthy church is growing. 
And a healthy church has the presence of the Holy Spirit. How are you doing? How's your checkup? Father, Lord, would you allow us to diagnose us as individuals? Lord, you're the great physician and we need a diagnosis today.